right, welcome back to the Ballhawks podcast. We're so back that we didn't even start the episode properly. Would you imagine that? Um, I'm still your host after this long layoff. You know where to find me on Twitter at SSFisher87. And I'm joined by Hips McGee over here. My my hobbling compadre, Christopher Phillips. Uh, aside from the hip issues, how are things? Things are good, man. Um, as, as Steve just mentioned, we are, um, you know, right in perfect practice there with uh, starting to show off. It feels like our first episode all, all <laughs> over again. Um, but yeah, feels I mean, other like than the, uh, first time. the 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 leg and, and the hip issues, um, things are really good, man. Um, baked some cookies with the kids today. I saw those. Uh, yeah, I got to. I mean, spent some. Took the week off. Well, kind of took the week off this week dealing with my leg. So work from home a little bit, but it was nice to be home for dinner all week. It was nice to take uh, the kids to their sports. Like Carter had uh, lacrosse on Wednesday. Olivia had soccer yesterday. Um, so yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, there, there's, there's little blessings uh, to be thankful for uh, that have come from me being injured. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> and there, there was How's things on your end. Man? I, well, I was going to say the, there was, there was another little, little thing that happened. Uh, your, your little guy, Carter, he got a DK Metcalf shout out on Twitter. <laughs> he did. That was pretty uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, getting ready for soccer, uh, Friday night, he wears number four in soccer. So I'm like, buddy, put on, put on your Jersey. Like get like, we got to go like get your stuff on. Like we got to get out of the, out of the house sort of thing. And he picks up his Jersey and looks at me and goes, dad, if my Jersey had a one and a four, I would be just like DK Metcalf. <laughs> and my son knows who DK, DK Metcalf is, uh, from me playing Madden. Actually. Um, he, he is usually around when I'm, when I'm playing, he watches and, when I score a touchdown, he gets excited and he goes, Oh, is that DK Metcalf? And so he knows, like you asked my son, who's number three on the Seahawks. He knows it's Russell Wilson. That's for me playing Madden. Um, he actually knows a lot of who the, the teams are, who the teams are now based on their logo from me playing Madden. We actually, uh, just, just played that game up at my parents' house tonight. See, there's probably a handful of teams that he doesn't know yet. Um, but like, even like, a trickier one like the Chicago Bears or the New York New York Giants, and he goes, and he knows exactly who they are, which is pretty cool. Um, but anyways, I, I threw that on on Twitter. What what my son said about how he would be just like DK Metcalf if he, his jersey had a one and a four on it. And DK uh, quote tweeted it saying, "You would look better in fourteen than me. Trust me." Which was a really cool thing for him to do. I mean. I, I, I did tag him in, in the post, just hoping he would see it and put a smile on his face sort of thing. But for him to, to quote tweet it and retweet it and like it was uh, was really cool. When I when I told my son, which I mean, my son's four, I said, hey, buddy, like DK Metcalf, like saw saw your post and said that you look really good in number 14. He just looked at me like stone face and just goes, oh. <laughs> like doesn't fully understand it at all. <laughs> no, not, not at all. It, it's a lot cooler for dad than it is for him. We'll That's revisit it. this in like 10 years when hopefully he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver and you can say, now look at it, buddy. Um, exactly. 
that's so that's so funny and of course like the the non Seahawks fan in me is like wait is there more to this than than what everybody's reading into this like is DK gonna change his number is DK gonna like switch teams and he's not gonna have his number so oh, d- you could trust say, me you saw my, it here my, first. Mind, my mind went there too yeah <laughs> yeah like no. what do you mean like yeah it's like I even went so far to like Google DK Metcalf because I was like I'm pretty sure he's been 14 since high school. Yeah. So like even went so far back like I googled DK Metcalf high school and yeah he was 14 in high school so I'm like hmm now nah, I'm reading too much into this. <laughs> oh yeah one thousand percent reading too much into it but I'm in the in the very off chance that that comes to fruition you could you know throw it back out there and be like you heard it here first like yeah he, he yeah. was trying to tell y'all and you just brushed right over it. Could you imagine if he changed his number after how much like guff I had last year ordering a jersey and not wanting to pay duty oh, on it? Man. Could you like? You would be the. Can I get a refund? Yeah, you'd be so grumpy <laughs> with your cane and hobbling on one hip. Be like, oh, oh yeah. damn, kids switching their jersey numbers after I ordered it. Who's this old guy coming hobbling in here? Like, why does he like? He looks not that old but like he can't even stand up straight <laughs> speaking of jerseys do you like my new uh I, I went full throwback tonight with uh my new matt hasselbeck jersey that i found on facebook marketplace of all places there you go just getting yeah. swagged right out for cheap oh yeah it's uh i i put it on and I, i've even got like the do you remember these hats from i do i i have i have a ravens one just like that you the old yep. the old Reebok yeah I'll and, have to go uh, try and dig it out I, I threw these on and and I was coming downstairs and Edine goes why are you wearing all like that old stuff and I'm like because <laughs> I'm excited they got a new jersey yeah <laughs> I don't know it's just it's vintage vintage is coming back babe ease up yeah exactly sheesh jeez then I got this for like as cheap as I did like and and your jersey, I mean, we're both kind of like jersey gurus in terms of like picking out fakes and and I don't know about you, but even thinking about wearing a fake really bothers me. So, you know, when you let's, bought it, like let's call it what it is. We're jersey snobs. We're jersey snobs. That's right. Yeah, we're jersey snobs. Like even like so much to the point when I was like when I saw this jersey, I was like like zooming in on the picture being like is it a replica is it a semi-pro <laughs> yeah. what am i paying for here like you're like asking all oh, these yeah. questions in facebook marketplace and like i don't, <laughs> I don't know i bought it like, yeah it's do you jersey. want it or not man <laughs> shut up <laughs> i'm gonna block you in like three and a half seconds here if you don't just shut it yeah it turns out this was the second one i found because the first person i talked to wanted nothing to do with me yeah <laughs> wonder why you know what i do when i yeah, you know what I do when I see those fake jerseys on Facebook Marketplace? I'll always send them an off. I'll always send them a, a message asking if it's still available. And as soon as they say yes, I'm like, five bucks. <laughs> Buy it for five bucks. And it's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, that's about what it's worth. Yeah. And then I get blocked. I mean, it was bought it for $20, you know, originally. So. Right. And they're selling it for 150 Yeah. Nice try, bud. Nice try. Um, can't pull the wool over these eyes because there's already wool over them Uh, yeah so we haven't done an episode uh, since before Super Bowl we we took a little while while. 
Since I could do a podcast again. It's been a while. And what little followers we still have remaining, we've lost all of them with that song. Uh, but it, it's kind of interesting because it's almost coming up on the the one year anniversary of when we started this thing, and that was the Next weird week. right. That was the weird part of us starting this whole thing up was we started it up right after Super Bowl, basically in the off yeah. season, and uh, I know we both had a little reservations from it, and obviously after doing a whole year of it, we we're like, ah, it's fine now, like. There's there's always something to talk about in the off season, especially this time of the year. So I thought we would start off with some free agency news or like rumors, because, you know, I think free agency is a week from tomorrow uh, when it all opens up. I think it's a week today, actually. Is it a week today? I know it's within a week. So these obviously like aren't. I think it's what I saw. Yeah, they're not signings and they're not, you know, confirmed or anything like that, but. Uh, we'll just go through a couple here, and and uh, maybe we'll save one or two of the Seahawks and Ravens for the very end of the free agency part here. So, uh, one of the one of the first ones that kind of came out, and I think this might happen tomorrow. Uh, the Cowboys have been in rumor to likely release Amari Cooper, um, or or trade. I feel like they would have gotten a trade offer by now if they uh, were looking to trade him. But uh, Dallas releasing Amari Cooper, what do you think about that one? Uh, I mean, if they can bring back Michael Gallup, it makes sense. That That's um, what I first thought of, too. I was like, maybe there's yeah. something in the brew with Michael Gallup that they're willing to let him go. Yeah, and then that... Initially, I was gonna be like, "Oh yeah, it makes sense. Like, whatever. It's just Amari Cooper." But then I'm like, "Well, no, because Michael Gallup's a a free agent uh, upcoming too next week." Yeah. And I was like, "I mean, sure, Cedric Wilson played well there, you know, in a few games last year. But can it, is he really a guy that you can rely on to be your number two receiver?" Mm. I mean, it makes me nervous, right? Yeah, not well. I mean, you're talking about the Cowboys who. Um were one maybe stupid play away from having a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, they're definitely in win now mode. Um, I, I we we all know why the Cowboys want to get rid of Amari Cooper. He's got almost twenty million dollars uh, in fully guaranteed contract. I think his cap, uh, sorry, the the Cowboys cap saving would be about sixteen million dollars. And I was looking earlier, the Cowboys are uh in the whole 21 million so they've got to they've got to get out of that somehow that's obviously the most likely they've got cd lamb there who they can kind of really rely on dalton schultz was a a big kind of turnaround for them uh in terms of catching passes and being a receiving target like you said gallop uh if they were to get a deal done but i just if they get a deal done wow and Chris is kicking things. Chris is so angry about what I'm saying. He's literally kicking things off of his table with his uh, good hip. Maybe those were his crutches. He's like, I'm tired of these crutches, and I am I hate the Cowboys that much. I'm just kicking these stupid crutches over. This is um, my strong hip. Yeah, well, we'll get to that in a little bit. We'll get to Kenny Pickett's strong hand in a little bit. Um, so... 
what really confuses me with this is okay you save 16 million dollars but then you have to pony up for for Michael Gallup and if you don't pony up for Michael Gallup then yeah like you said you have Wilson and you have uh CD Lamb as your your one two punch and as good as CD Lamb is I don't know if that screams uh Super Bowl contenders uh you're losing two really big pieces you would think they would go somewhere like, you know, getting or cutting Zeke. I, I know that sounds crazy if you're a Cowboys fan, but um, his cap hit is $18 million. Maybe you ask to restructure or um, I don't but know, man. What's, Some... what's the dead cap on Zeke if they were to cut him versus the dead cap on Amari? Yeah, uh, I'm just looking here. So the dead cap is quite a bit. Amari's dead cap is $6 million. Um, and Zeke is 30 million. Oh, so Jesus. yeah, that's why they're not cutting Zeke. <laughs> I, I understand that. But, uh, just from like a, a per- player perspective, like there, there's gotta be better options. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to like right. really, really look through the Cowboys roster to, to figure that out. But it just seems like if you're in win now mode, there's gotta be, uh, there has to be another play in, in store there if you're just willing to get rid of Amari Cooper. I don't think he's ever lived up to his, uh, you know, big contract. His, I think it was five-year, $100 million that he signed way back. Um, but he's still a productive receiver. He's capable of 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns kind of thing. So that, that's a weird one. If uh, if they do cut him, where do you have a best landing spot or... Uh, I mean, I, I've seen a few things kind of circulating on, on the old bird app there. Um, Kansas city. I've heard that one too. Like, Wouldn't that be gross? Yeah. Oh God. Like throw them in there with Tyreek Kelsey and whoever the chiefs decide to throw it running back. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe LA with the chargers. If they don't bring back Mike Williams, um, right. that'd be a good fit with him and Keenan, Keenan Allen. But like, they are very similar kind of route running. Like, you know, we, we can get ourselves open in a paper bag type receiver. So maybe having two of those guys in your roster doesn't really make sense. Um, back to Las Vegas. Yeah. Or back to the Raiders, I guess you could say, because he played for Oakland in, in yeah, Oakland. Technically maybe he was. back to the Raiders. Yeah, and I'm. I, it's a your idea of him going to the Chargers. I mean, we we were going to talk about that anyways with uh, the Chargers possibly tagging um, Mike Williams. Uh, it looks like the franchise tag for wide receivers is going to be about nineteen point one million. I don't think you want to pay a non quarterback, non uh, Devonte Adams. I mean, I don't think I, you want to pay Devonte Adams nineteen point one million dollars to be on your roster, like. Yeah, you don't pay Mike Williams $19 million. He no. doesn't do enough. He isn't healthy enough. Like, he, I mean, we see it all, all the time. The best ability is availability. Yeah. Um, and he's he's not available enough um, to warrant a $19 million contract. Yeah. And Maybe, you, you gotta think another like... good landing spot for Amari actually would be Chicago. Yeah, because you know Allen Robinson. A Rob's <laughs> moving on. He's got to be moving on, and the Bears, if they can, they tag him again. Is there? 
Have oh, they... absolutely. They can, but there's no way they're going to. Yeah. Um, I, well, actually, I thought there was only... Is there a certain limit to how many years you can tag a guy for? No. So you could just keep you, tagging him over and over Usually what happens is a guy will... Just hold out. Negotiate, being like, I'll sign the franchise tag this year if you don't tag me again next year sort of thing. Yeah, fair. I mean, that would be a good spot for him. That would help Justin Fields in terms of... I mean, Amari Cooper is still a technician route runner. Like, he can get open. He can find space. Um, and he's only, what, 28 years old? Yeah. Like, he, he's not old by any standards. I mean, he, he's been in, in the league for a long time, but he's still a really young football player. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, let's stick with the wide receivers here. Uh, there was rumors that Odell Beckham Jr. and the Los Angeles Rams have interest in a long-term deal. So... I think we saw how good Cooper Cup Odell with Matthew Stafford can be. I think there's it was a no-brainer that there would be interest there. My question to you um, would be, we really saw Odell kind of take off when Robert Woods went down with his injury. Um, they went and got Odell, and he kind of flourished in that spot. So if they do a deal with Odell, what does that mean for Robert Woods, a Van Jefferson, like... Is there better ways to spend money in LA than than bringing Odell back with those other two guys as well? Absolutely, there is, because you have Robert Woods coming off an ACL tear, you have Odell Beckham coming off an ACL tear late in the season. Like, when yeah. are you even going to get Odell back in the game? Like, that he's definitely a guy that's a candidate to be on on uh, the pup list to start the season. Oh, next for year. sure, he's, he would be. He's yeah, he's missing what at least the first six games of the year. Then, yeah, um, and and that's the thing is like I don't think was it the first game that Odell played or or was it right after Robert Woods? I think it was the I think it was right after they signed uh, OBJ that Robert Woods got hurt. Yeah, I can't remember which way it was. It was like basically bang bang, whether it was before or just after. Oh, like yeah, right. Yeah. So like. Is there really an, a, a spot for Odell to be on the Rams and be happy when Robert yeah. Woods and Cooper Cup are both there? I mean, we, we saw it in uh, Cleveland where he's, you know, if he's not getting, if he's not kind of the the focal point of the offense, um, he, he does get upset, which I mean, in LA, he wasn't the focal point of the offense, but it, he was at least number two which you could argue in cleveland he wasn't um so i, I don't know i i don't necessarily see a fit for odell in la things with are ben so Je ben jefferson there with bobby trees coming back and and presumably healthy and of course they have you know cooper cup which a lot of people would argue should have been the mvp this year yeah it, it's kind of interesting like you're totally right. He he was not the focal point in that offense, and he clearly had an issue with it. And I think most wide receivers, you know, would have an issue with that because guess what? If you're not getting the ball, you're not getting paid. But also these guys, like, these guys have always been the best players on their team. They, like, they thrive with the ball. I'm just thinking, like, isn't it funny how winning changes your mindset like he he walks I, I into just, that i was just team. gonna say that too i was like it doesn't help that he wasn't the focal point of the offense and they were losing yeah right? as soon i think as, if they're winning like, 
it's it's a different story. You're like, I'm just happy to be on this team and contribute in yeah. any way I can. When you're losing, you're like, damn it, get me the ball and we can try to win here. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and like I said, there, you know, I, I don't see a fit for him in, in LA. It just it, it doesn't make sense with the young receivers that they already have in in house. Um why bring back damaged goods that you know you're not going to have for the first third of the season? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how these contract negotiations go because I'm not a part of those discussions. But I, I wonder if, you know, they're like, we have interest in you. Um, we would like to see you with us for m- the majority of a regular season and a postseason run before we really want to commit long term. We know you're going to be out for at least six games. You got to think he's out for a lot more than six games. Like he tore it in the middle of February. And I know these guys are are freak athletes and, and they can come back. You know, we saw Cam Akers coming back <clears throat> from a, a devastating injury and, and make an impact. But he still wasn't the same, like, you know, impact player he was before his injury. So I, I think... I. I, th- I think the fact that there's no deal being done right now shows you that the Rams are tentative on it and Odell's value couldn't be lower right now going into free agency. Like he he's not going to cash in big. So I think it's uh, it, we're in and, this lull period because of because of his injury, to be honest. And Cam and OBJ is not, not a, you know, fair comparison. Odell's 29 and Cam's 22, right? Like, yeah. I mean, not not to say I'm, because I'm not, I'm, I'm not an elite athlete, but one thing that I've learned as I've gotten older is I don't bounce back as quickly as I used to, right? Like, <laughs> you don't bounce back at all like, by the sounds of it. Exactly. I don't bounce back at all anymore. Um, <laughs> you you it, bounce it, it's, and it's, hit the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like, oh, you're hurt again? Yeah. <laughs> You're screwed. You're screwed, bud. I was just um, having this conversation with uh, our buddy Nick from from our fantasy football. There, I was like, "Man, I don't know what it is, but uh, I don't find myself like overly old." But the last five, four or five years, oh man, the recovery process is just totally. so much more than yeah, a Cam Akers who's twenty two and um, stupid just, just young wait, twenty just year wait, old. Steve. You're 35 this year, and um, ever since, dude, like no word of a no word of a lie. Ever since I've turned 35, it's like the smallest little like <laughs> neck. I'm like, I'm out for like two weeks. It's like it, it. 35 has not been pleasant to me. Well, that's good news because uh, it's already happening to me, and I'm not 35 yet. So, good oh, for me. Yeah, it, it gets better, Steve. It gets better. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to a couple DBs here. There's uh, there's three defensive backs right now that there's some question marks around or or rumors around. Uh, let's stick with Super Bowl players. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals safety Jesse Bates. Looks like he's going to be tagged. I didn't check to see what the franchise number was for safeties, but 
uh, he, he was such a force on that back end. Um, I, I was, I was texting our buddy Liam in, uh, in the run up to the Super Bowl, And I was like, you guys better win now. Cause you know, Jesse Bates isn't coming back on the cheap. Um, he was just such a big part of, of solidifying teams from, you know, chucking bombs on them. They, they absolutely have to keep him. I expected them to tag him, um, but looks like he's not going anywhere. Um, $13.54 million. I was just in a, I was just looking you, it up as well. I, I, I found four, 14.48. Okay, so um, somewhere in that Let's go between 13 to 15 for, on the franchise tag. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, he's a 25-year-old 20, yeah. safety. Uh, he's the the backbone of your defense. Um, absolute no-brainer that you don't want to see that guy leave town. And, I mean, just because you franchise tag him doesn't mean that he's leaving next year. It's right. just giving you, what is Time. it, three or four more months to negotiate a long-term deal. Yeah. And the Bengals have going into next year. The Bengals have the fourth most cap space of any team with a projected wow. forty nine million dollars. So um, I don't expect him to leave anywhere. They would be absolutely foolish not to. Like you said, it, it's just buying them extra time uh, to get a long term deal done. Twenty five year old kid. You want to lock him up for probably four or five year deal going into the uh 22 season if there's uh, one thing i've learned playing madden sign all those young guys for seven-year deals just get it out of the way <laughs> <laughs> if, only, if only these contracts just followed madden rules it'd be so easy to get oh, things man, done it'd be so easy I, i've kept my team like a steady like 88 overall that's so trades funny. wheeling and dealing um I, I could basically do john schneider's job now like it, it's scientifically proven I mean, it, it's easy, isn't it? Isn't it just like you, you sign this so guy? So easy, I can do it in my pajamas while drinking coffee. <laughs> yeah. Come on, John <laughs> Schneider. Um, yeah. Let's move to the other side of the pendulum with safeties. I, I thought this one was kind of funny. Ian Rappaport, I was watching some Combine stuff today, and he took... He didn't really trash Tyron Matthew, but he was like, oh, and for the old guys and people kind of had a heyday on Twitter. He's like, he's not quite 30 yet, but he, he will be in, in the next month or two. And people had some fun with that, uh, calling Tyron Matthew old at 29. But it looks like he is uh, going to hit the open market. Kansas City has approximately, I think, 11, 11 and a half Let's see, 11 and yeah, 11, 11.5 million dollars in cap space. Um, I think they're working on an extension right now with Tyreek Hill. Maybe that kind of factors in because, you know, they want the honey badger on the back end. But uh, it sounds like he's going to test the open market uh, to get paid. With is is there a team where you see uh, a need at safety or like? Is is he just going to go for highest highest cash bidder? Uh, Dallas, maybe. I, I I know. I mean, you know, circle back to when Earl Thomas was a free agent. Uh, I think three years ago, um, Dallas's name kept coming up in the the Earl Thomas talks. I mean, of course, a big part of that was 
you know, Earl going into the Cowboys locker room saying, Hey, come get me. If you have a chance, come get <laughs> yeah. me. Which, sign me, sign yikes. me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I know Baltimore has been kind of rumored online a lot that uh, there might be some interest there of bringing a guy in. But I mean, at the same time, I mean, Earl Thomas, um, <laughs> you know, they, they might Buyer's be a little gun shy to, yeah, they might be a little gun shy to bring in a free agent safety again, like, like, like they did um, with Earl and, and have it not work out. I mean, especially with a guy like uh, Tyran Matthew, who is, I mean, he is very vocal and he is very, you know, kind of does his own thing and, and, and what have you. So I don't know, maybe, maybe not a, not a fit there or, or maybe the Ravens just aren't, aren't, you know, overly confident about bringing a, a guy in that they don't know. Um, which is fair. Yeah. Which is totally fair. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm going to say the Cowboys probably make the most sense. I mean, their, their defense still isn't great. So yeah, the, they have Micah and Trayvon Diggs, but there's definitely some, you know, cutting the guy like Amari Cooper, maybe that opens up some space to bring in a guy like the Honey Badger. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they can get away from some cap issues, obviously the joke around sure. the NFL is like, if the Saints can do it for this many years, anybody can do it. So you know, maybe they shuffle some money around and they take a stab at them. Um, I, I could also well, see a guy like or a team like the Jaguars, the Dolphins, like all of those teams with tons of cap space, you know, are going to be in on it. Um, the Jaguars, I think, are tired of being everybody's little brother. And I can see them just going on a shopping spree and saying, OK, we're going to take this, 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 this um, and, and see if we can be relevant and just not be the basement team over and over and over. But a big thing with that too, is guys have to want to sign there, right? Yeah. And with, with Trevor Lawrence being there, um, I, I think it's more desirable than what people think it is. Right. Um, Th- things are definitely looking up for sure, but you, you got to think you, like with that defense as well, first overall two years in a row, like, What's no, the like culture really like right, and I I think a big part of that is Urban Meyer just being maybe the worst head coach in NFL history. But when you think of like a player wants to go somewhere where they can make a difference, maybe and like think of all the pieces you have uh, on that team. Like they've, I mean, they've got Jenkins as a safety right now, so maybe. Maybe they don't need to to put their money there. They've got Shaq Griffin. They've got uh, Miles Jack. They've got Josh Allen. They've got the, you know, a, a high draft pick that a lot of people are thinking is going to be, you know, a D-end or um, maybe they go tackle finally and protect uh, Trevor Lawrence. We're probably going to get more into that as the draft gets closer. But um, I'm just thinking teams with a lot of money uh, are going to be in his services. I, I think I think he's a guy that's smart enough to know, like, you're getting up there in age. So if you're signing a big lucrative deal, like, this might be your last time to really cash in. Cash in with whoever can get you the most money. So I, I don't see yeah. him coming to Baltimore. I know I'm probably going to take some heat for this, but 
I just think there's better places to possibly spend money if you're the Ravens. Um, offensive line being one of them. So for for their sake, I know they don't have a ton of cap space. They would obviously have to do a deal with Lamar Jackson. They would have to uh, extend a couple other guys, maybe cut a few guys here, uh, you know, to do what they want to do in addition to signing Tyran Matthew. So I, I don't see it there, but who knows? You never know. One One that's really interesting for me, and this can just be classic Belichick kind of shenanigans going on. Uh, it, it's reported that the Patriots are not going to tag JC Jackson and they're going to let him uh, hit the open market. What, what are the Patriots doing? <laughs> For- I mean, it's classic. Um, like you said, it's classic Belichick. It's classic, you know, it's the Patriot way, right? Like, no one person is bigger than the team. Um, let's not tie up, you know, all this money into a guy like JC Jackson as good as he is. I mean, you look, look they just moved on from uh, Stefan Gilmore as well. Right. Like obviously they, they see bigger needs in other places or maybe they have guys in, in place already. Or maybe they just wanted to let JC Jackson test the market and be like, I mean, there's going to be a huge market for him, but maybe, oh, yeah. you know, they could turn around and say like, nope, see, like come back to us or whatever it may be. Right. So I don't it, know. It, I, I got to be honest, it, this whole, like, I feel like there's a big uh, turnaround on how effective the Patriot way that you mentioned is. Uh, how effective is that Patriot way? I know for years it was like, like you said, no one person is, is over the team, Tom Brady included. I know he was in there for, for years, but I think it was Tom Brady and we're seeing that it was Tom Brady was the Patriot way. And like, if you would have let him go earlier, you would have been in this rebuild mode a lot earlier. So like when I'm thinking about, letting a 26 year old kid uh who just came off of a career year with uh oh you're uh you got some fan issues going on there christopher sorry there we go (laughs) his uh his fans trying to uh cool his cool his old man hip up there um This is the, uh, the, you're right, Chris. This is like the, the original first episode all over again. You were, we're hitting all sorts of rusty buckets here. Uh, but what I was saying was you got a 26 year old kid who, uh, just made the pro bowl. He had 23 passes defended, uh, eight interceptions. He had nine interceptions the year before, Um, the kid just makes plays on the ball. He is an absolute gamer and, uh, it's, how do you, I, I, I know you said they just moved on from Stefan Gilmore, but the fact that they had to move on from him means that they had to go get him originally. And they've, they've coveted going and getting, you know, big defensive backs who, who were kind of like prized possessions. So, I don't know. This one just really shocked me. Uh, 
corners who are shut down guys like JC Jackson in their prime years who are playmakers as well that can get you the ball. Um, you just don't let those guys go. I, I don't I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe it's because my team just went through a year where every one of their good corners just got thrashed and their defense just didn't turn the ball over. Like we didn't get any corner support with that kind of stuff. So for me, I'm I'm shocked that they're going to let that happen. I still think there's more to it than that. I, I would be hard-pressed to see J.C. Jackson uh, going anywhere, but if he's available, I, I know a lot of teams that could use a, a turnover machine corner to add to their team. I mean, it very well could be that the Patriots plan on using their first-round pick on a cornerback too, right? Like, who who knows what the plan there actually is, um, but obviously they they don't want to pay JC like JC Jackson has, has come out and said like I want to be the highest paid DB of all time, right? Right? And w- w- what is that like twenty million a year probably? Like yeah, it's a lot a, a lot of money to pay for a guy that's had one or two good seasons. Two really good seasons. Two really good seasons for sure. Um, but maybe if he's had four good seasons. I mean, he's only been in the league four years, so. Well, that's what I mean. It's kind of like. I, I don't know. I, yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. I mean, he's going to command huge money, like you said. He wants to be the highest corner paid. And, like, these kind of guys just never really hit the free agency market at, at that you know, perfect time, perfect age sort of thing. So, um, yeah, he's def- he's someone, to, you know, talk, talk about the Jaguars and all the money they have. I mean, they, they signed Shaquille or Shaquille, yeah. uh, excuse me, uh, Griffin, uh, last, last year, bring in JC Jackson, pair those two guys up together. I mean, they're set at the cornerback position for, you know, however many years that those guys are signed for. Cause they're both still really like, what how old is Shaquille like 26 something like that yeah, yeah he's, he's got to be super young like not old at all um let's uh let's do a little drama with our teams here um I'm gonna let you go first here because your fan is uh not going crazy and we don't know if it's gonna pop up again I turned um, down my gain yeah um any any validity to the Washington Commanders offering multiple first round picks to acquire quarterback Russell Wilson. And I'm going to just stir the pot a little more. I saw you on Twitter say that the Seattle Seahawks could be in the services for one quarterback in the draft in particular mr willis <laughs> do, I mean, do we not know something i mean you're you're clearly tight with dk metcalf so i i know you have an in here to to danger russ as well am i reading too much into this chris yeah <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> when i was doing a mock draft the other the other day and i saw malik willis sitting there i was like how do i not take malik willis with the 40, 41st pick. Yeah, it was a second round pick. I remember that. It, yeah, it was like no brainer. 
I like Malik Willis. I I think if you get him, if you're a team like, you know, the the Steelers, the I mean, Green Bay is not going to go down that road again. But you you got an aging quarterback who um, may or may not still be there, and you have a developmental guy with just a ton of tools. Take the shot at like second round. It, it's like when when the Seahawks drafted Russ in the third. Like, hey. Let's take a shot. Let's see what happens. Like it, I know third round picks, second round picks are valuable, but guess what's more valuable? Winning a lottery. Yeah. Starting quarterbacks on rookie contracts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, when I, when I saw Malik sitting there, I was like, that's a no brainer. Even if he doesn't play this year, you sit him on the bench for a year and figure it out next year or, or whatever it may be. I mean, obviously, in the real world, that's never going to happen. Malik Willis isn't going to make it to the second round. Um, he'll be a, you know, he'll be a first round draft pick for sure. No, yeah. no doubt in my mind, he's going first round. Um, as for the Commanders making an offer for Russ and it including multiple first round picks or whatever, who cares? <laughs> God, I mean, you know where I'm at with this whole Russell Wilson stuff. Like he has said. I'm a Seahawk. I want to be in Seattle. I love Seattle. This is where I, this is where I'm at, and I love it. Um, Pete Carroll has come out and said we're not moving Russell Wilson. It's it's a non-story, and there's so many guys like Ian Rappaport and um, Mike Florio at uh, Pro Football Talk who are just trying <laughs> to keep this narrative alive and trying to keep trying to just get clicks yeah. on their site and get people to read their, their stupid articles of like, Oh, well the commanders offered this, but like that just opens up the opportunity for another team to offer them, offer the Seahawks, a, a you know, an offer they cannot decline. And like, like sure an, enough already guys. Like, And I, I know enough. we've talked about this a ton of times. Like let's say that's the truth. If you are a Seahawks yeah. fan and it drives up this like ridiculous uh, bidding war to literally a, a an offer you cannot refuse and you're sitting there like being able to draft his replacement uh, and you're kind of like setting up your full rebuild. I don't know, like if you're going to offer me the world for one player, I'll take it like nobody on my team is untouchable. For the yeah. right price. and right. Exactly. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, there is a price that is going to be worth it. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, Russ holds the Trump card because he has the, the right. uh, no, no trade clause. But, yeah, there is going to be a, a deal that is worth it and that does make sense. But it has to make sense on both sides. Right. I mean, again, not to... Like, oh, like I play Madden and this is what happened in Madden. <laughs> but like, yeah, I do play Madden and I did trade Russ. I mean, it was a nonsense deal that would never happen anyways because I traded them for Pene Sewell and two first round picks. But like, that's the thing. It's like every player does eventually have, they all have a shelf life. Right. And if you can get any sort of value out of a player before he reaches their best before date, you, you jump on it. You right. have to take that. 
You don't want to be trading a guy once he's past that. Yeah, it gives you an opportunity to kind of jumpstart, call it that rebuild, that the next era. Yeah, it gives you a chance to jumpstart the next era. Yeah, and to get ready for, you know, the seal the line out of the Patriots, next man up, right? It's it's so true. Like we talk about this all the time, uh, not not just with with football, but sports in general. Like these, I don't want to call them blinder fans because I don't really care how somebody decides to like be a fan of their team. But maybe it's because I can be non attached. Like there, there's players that if you if you trade them or your team trades them, like a Russell Wilson who is going to be uh you know ring of honor seahawk hall of fame type player does it suck absolutely it sucks absolutely you know you have those nostalgic ties but you know if you're offering me something that sets up my next era of football and my team can be you know competitive for another 10 to 15 years why do i want two to three years of competitiveness right now on a roster that maybe has way too many holes to seriously be a contender versus getting rid of that and getting just so much in return um i'm I'm taking a deal if like you said you don't want to trade them everybody has a price and it just depends on how comfortable you are for that price like if john schneider is looking at that and somebody offered panay sewell and two first round picks maybe that's the price and you're like okay well we got a franchise left tackle for the next 15 years and you know, two super, super high picks. Well, I guess it's time to roll the dice and try it. You might get burned, but you might also like hit it right on the head. Yeah. And and like you said, like not only does it like give you an opportunity to, you know, reset at the quarterback positioning and get younger and cheaper there, but it gives you the opportunity to take those resources from one position and spread it out yeah. amongst other holes on your roster yeah. and fill other holes on your roster. That's going to make your team better as a whole. And, and that's kind of where, you know, it, it's a, a fine line, right? Like, like I said, like you, the, the, the whole best before date, right? Like you want to get rid of a guy before he reaches his best before date um, to try to capitalize on being able to fill other holes on your roster. And I so. think I think it's really important to also understand where a franchise is uh, in their competitive window before making those decisions. Like, l- let's take the Bengals for example. They are not moving Joe Burrow. The, I mean, there's right. a price. There's a price out there where any GM would trade their their franchise quarterback. The Bengals' window is right now. They right. are going to be competitive for the next five-ish years while Burrow is still, you know, making reasonably low amounts of money. There, There's nothing you could offer that team to move on from Joe Burrow, but that's because their circumstances would dictate that. You know, you've been talking about the Seahawks all year saying, you know, I hope they do well, but I'm also not blind to see that they they need like a complete overhaul in some major positions and, you know, whether you want to call it a retool, a restart, a rebuild, whatever it is, they're in a position now where you are seriously considering that if somebody, you know, blows the door down with 
four first round picks, well, take my picks because we're yep. we're going to reset now and you know, maybe we move on from this player and that player and we do like this whole restart as quick as possible instead of being mediocre to to middle of the road for a couple more years and then not having anything to show for Russell Wilson. And that's the thing. Those those picks, like if a team's coming to Seattle and making an offer, you have to be a team that's within the top 15, yeah. I would say. Yeah. This year or whatever year that you're making the offer this year, or if, you know, if he's in Seattle and next year you're, you're making the offer, whatever it may be, you have to be a top fit or a, a bottom 15 team with one of those top 15 draft picks to have it make sense. Cause you have to give Seattle the opportunity to find their quarterback of the future. Cause they're right. not going to move the quarterback of right now without the opportunity to find the next guy. Totally. Yeah. Which it, is, I mean, a guy like Malik Willis is a prime example, right? If see, let's say Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is one of the teams that has come up in rumors that, you know, could make a trade for Russell Wilson. Let's say Pittsburgh is offering, you know, the 20th overall pick right now. And Seattle's kind of humming and hawing, but then on draft day, Malik Willis is sitting there at number 20 <laughs> still. And Pittsburgh calls up John Schneider and says, Hey, Malik Willis is sitting here at 20th overall. Here's what we're willing to offer for Russell Wilson. I mean, it's a different story when you story. know what that what that return on at totally. least one thing can be. And I think that's why draft day is so exciting. Like you said, when you get there, that's when things start to make sense. And you're like, oh, OK, yeah. now now we can actually see a viable person so we're losing Russell Wilson, but we're getting this young kid in. Oh, and we're also getting this, 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 and this. Is it worth yeah. it now? It, it, it's a little more tangible where a GM can see instead of saying, oh, we'll take the 20th overall pick. And then all of a sudden there's a run on quarterbacks for some stupid reason. And you're like, exactly. sweet. Now we're rolling Geno Smith this year. Like, and, and, oh boy. And like, sorry, not sorry, Seahawks fans, but, you know, had the opportunity arose last, last draft for Seattle to move into the first round and draft draft a guy like Justin Fields and it was going to cost Russell Wilson, I would have done it. Yep. Because, I mean, Justin Fields wasn't given a fair shake last year in <laughs> Chicago with Matt Nagy, but he has all and the, the Bears all, team as a like as a whole. <laughs> exactly, but he has all the tools to be a franchise quarterback. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. I don't know. It, it, it like you said, it, it's non-news right now. And as I've said, you know, a month or two ago, it's non-news until it's news. And, and this year, I'm not going to spend a lot of my time and energy on on the Russell Wilson off-season air quote drama, <laughs> right? Um, because it, it's just guys trying to drive traffic to their website. Rappaport trying to get people to the NFL website. Mike Florio is trying to get people to his website. Um, I'm but, not buying it. I, I mean, mean, everyone has said that he is in Seattle. He wants to be in Seattle. He's happy in Seattle until Russell Wilson says otherwise, or until the Seahawks say otherwise, it's not news. And I'm not buying into it this year. All right. But I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here because I remember a one Christopher G Phillips telling me <laughs> where there's smoke, there's fire. And so isn't it ironic that mm -hmm. 
for a second straight off season, we have had Russell Wilson trade rumors. We have had Aaron Rodgers trade rumors. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this earlier today and I think Tom Brady has screwed us all over. Like in his final, like last thing, he has screwed us all over because he leaves when I, I think some people thought he was leaving, but it it was hard to imagine him in a different uniform. Goes, wins a Super Bowl. Then the next year, it's like, oh, maybe Russell Wilson wants to do that. Oh, maybe Aaron Rodgers wants to do that. Oh, hey, look, Matthew Stafford is doing that. Oh, look, Matthew Stafford did do that. Now we've got two straight years where quarterbacks are leaving their long-tenured teams to go chase a ring. And where there's smoke, there's fire. And like for me, I know I know as a Seahawks fan, like thinking about the the Russell Wilson rumors for a second straight year is a little exhausting, but it's also a little exciting the fact that like these kinds of things could happen. And like for for me, what I was going to talk about here was um, for a second straight year, uh, there's questions around Lamar Jackson and signing his big long-term contract like it's just for me this offseason has started off the exact same as last season which is so unbelievably bizarre that we are talking about the exact same things a full year later so um yeah I'm not going to go too far into it I I don't see I'm the same as you I I don't buy into these things or, or get wrapped up too much Um, the interesting part for me was, uh, I can't remember where I read it, but someone was talking about, will Lamar Jackson kind of do a Dak Prescott and kind of just play the franchise tag this year. If he doesn't get that like mega reset the market deal, uh, go on the franchise tag next year and just keep doing that and keep, uh, maximizing your profits. Our, our good buddy, Kyle, uh, once had some data for me if all NFL players allowed themselves to be franchise tagged for like even just like a portion of their career they would end up making more money than these like big long-term secure deals and so for me like obviously I want the Ravens to lower their cap hit next year to be competitive to go for a Super Bowl to lock Lamar up um there's just there's nothing you can really do about these contracts and yeah i i I don't i don't know if there's any news behind that but i I just think it's he's probably going to play the year on the franchise take i think well he he's in his fifth year option isn't he uh yes this year is his fifth year option yeah so franchise takes not not even a conversation until next year yeah did i did i say franchise take yeah okay it's late for but, me, bud. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, okay. I'm usually in bed. Hey, hey, it's okay. There, there, I, I forgot how no late judgment. these podcast things all, go. <laughs> all good things, Steve. All good things. All good things. <laughs> um, I, I did find something uh, pretty funny. To, I can't remember if it was today or, or yesterday. Um, Adam Schefter tweeted out something about Ravens Lamar Jackson said some... Uh, Mm. there was racial bias against black quarterbacks and Lamar quote tweeted him. That was not my response to that specific question. Don't start that Adam, like all caps. 
I, I saw that. Good but for of course, him. Like, of course, nobody like cares about what Lamar said in response. Everyone just cares about what Adam Schefter had to say. And <laughs> people are just running with it, which whatever. It's so funny. I, I just Again, love how he like, he's just he's so comfortable calling people out. Like, hey, I didn't say that. Like, whether yeah. I think it's true or not, it I didn't say that. So stop being no news, Adam Schefter. Um, this would be a good time to answer our question from Twitter. I don't know if you saw it. Um, our friend Michaela Mattis for both Chris and Steve, who would be the draft pick that you would be most happy with your perspective team selecting for their first pick? You got to go first. I mean, you know, I don't watch a lot of college football, so I don't really know too too much about these upcoming prospects and you know who should the seahawks draft and who's the best and whatever like who makes sense like as far as like where the seahawks are drafting and and what have you um seattle's probably biggest need is is pass rush right now so pick an edge rusher with an average draft grade around 41st overall. <laughs> and that's who I want. Like uh, that, that's who I want Seattle to get. I mean, I, I'd be happy if they could get, a, a, you know, one of the top DBs in that position as well. I mean, when I, when I've been doing um, my mock drafts, uh, the, the one guy I've been trying to kind of target is Trent McDuffie from Washington, but he, he's a first round draft he's pick. So the fact that pick. he's falling to me in, in mock drafts is, it's just silly. Um, he had a good a showing today too. Yeah, and a name that I've been seeing kind of uh, tied to Seattle is, I think it's Arnold Ebiketti. I think is his name. I'm, I'm not really too yeah. sure. He's an edge rusher. Um, that, that's kind of the one guy that I've been seeing a lot of people predicting that Seattle will take with their first pick in the second round there yeah um it's so much harder for you to answer this question too because you're waiting until the second round right like exactly right i mean for me at 14 i have a better idea of who could i mean i could pick 14 guys i'm comfortable with and say i want one of these guys right Right. like there there's only 14 guys so for you to do that it's a little more difficult um yeah a bit more of a crapshoot right Luckily, this is the year for like edge rushers and DBs. Like, it, it it's the perfect storm for Seattle. Those are their two positions they kind of most covet, um, and those are probably the, the two deepest positions in the draft. And my goodness, did they show out? Did the DBs oh. and like defensive linemen just steal the freaking show this weekend we're gonna get into that in uh just a moment uh with 14 overall and like i said there's so many dudes in the top like the ravens usually don't pick in in the first half of the draft so when i see all of these players it's like I, I get like overwhelmed with who I want them to pick because I want them to pick like uh, an Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. Um, I would love for them to pick uh, Trayvon Walker, edge rusher from Georgia. Um, there, there's just so many good players. I mean, she didn't really specify. She didn't say like in a realistic world. So I'm, 
if Kyle Hamilton, like the top safety, top five player in the entire draft, I want him to be there. I, if he slides at all, I actually want the Ravens to trade up and go get him. It's something, you know, the Ravens tried, like you mentioned earlier in the show, is something the Ravens tried getting back in uh, going after Earl Thomas once, uh, you know, that didn't work out. Like, we just haven't had that Ed Reed back-end guy that, you know, I've been missing since Ed Reed was there. So in a perfect world, Kyle Hamilton falls, like, out of the top five, somewhere later into, like, eight. Uh, and they use some of the, I think, like, they, they have 10 picks this draft alone. Uh, go get a blue chip player. Go get one of those blue chip players, pay a little draft capital, uh, and go up and get them. Um, but if not, like, like I said, like, a, a D lineman would be great. We're going to talk about Jordan Davis here soon. Um, an edge rusher would be awesome. Uh, a, an offensive about, tackle. What, if one of the big about, offensive tackles fall, sure. What about a guy like, uh, I mean, the one guy I've seen mock draft to Baltimore the most is uh, Tyler Linderbaum, center. Yeah, I I think at 14, I, I know this has been like news all over Twitter. Um, so he's the center from Iowa. Um, he's, he, he's big. He, he's right. He's kind of like the, the comparison was Creed Humphrey, who a lot of, uh, Ravens fans wanted last year. And to be honest was, would have been a great pick. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Creed Humphrey is doing things that, you know, rookie centers don't usually do. So I I I still think it's Creed Humphrey. I'm, I'm still bitter. Yeah, I know you are. Um, I, I just think at 14 Linderbaum is too early of a pick for a center. Um, if they trade back to like the mid twenties kind of later in the first and they pick up a ton of draft capital, sure. Why not? But like I'd mentioned earlier, I think this is probably the draft where you go the other way finally. Um, and you, you give up some resources to get a blue chip player, not, you know, a pro bill caliber. I want a guy who's going to be like a perennial all pro. And I think that's Kyle Hamilton. Can I change my answer? Go ahead. I just want to see Seattle make the pick at 41. <laughs> Don't trade back. Don't trade back. Just make the pick. And, and I Although, mean, that's like, even a harder thing to do too, because when, when you don't have a first that, round that's pick, a fine right? line. And, and they, they only have five picks, right? So it's a fine line, right? Like, yeah. Like, on one hand, because, I mean, as Seahawks fans, we're so used to seeing John Schneider and Pete Kale trade back. Yeah. So you just want to see them make the pick. <laughs> but on the other hand, I'm like, no, trade back and get more draft capital for this year. Like, if you could trade back, get a second and a fourth or something like that, um, right, by moving back 10 spots or whatever it may be, sure, do that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that... Add one more. Add one more lottery ticket. Yeah, that it, it's easier to say trade back in, in the twos when you don't have a first. And like you said, you're only making five selections. And the year before, what did you guys have? Three? Yeah. Five, three picks? All all drafts. Yeah. So like at some yeah. point you got to re, restock the cupboards, right? And um, obviously we know that's from uh, the Jamal Adams trade, but you do have a blue chip player in Jamal Adams. So there it's it's a catch 22 right you've got to give up good things to get something good um now we're we're just over an hour here so we're gonna have lots of time for combine we'll go through a couple things 
uh, that kind of stood out, obviously, in the combine. You want to talk about Kenny Pickett's small hands. This is my strong hand. Yeah, Kenny, everyone made a big deal about, you know, Kenny Kenny two gloves, uh, Pickett from from Pitt. Um, You know, everyone was talking about going into the combat and like, What's his hands going to measure out to be? What's his hands going to measure out? How big are his hands? Who guess cares? They're small. Like, yeah, so his hands measured uh, eight and a half inches from, uh, what is it, thumb to pinky. Yeah. Um, which is the smallest um, measurement since, like, Mike Probably. Vick or something like that. Oh, I was thinking Teddy Bridgewater. Um, wasn't, didn't he, wasn't that the big thing with him coming out was he was – like a fringe first round player because his hand size was so small. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm I, pretty sure that. I mean, I, I don't know if it's like the first one since then, but it. Ah, I, it would. Whoa. Chris, what is that? Chris is the uh, best prospect in the draft. Is who? Uh, Chris, for me, shut, Rich, it's it's your guy. It's Aiden Hutchinson. Shut your computer off, dude. What is going on? What was that? (laughs) (laughs) I honestly don't know where that came from. Someone got caught looking up some stuff, I guess. Holy. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, we heard Daniel Jeremiah talk there. That was fun of him to... uh, What was that? Was it you? No. (laughs) I I was asking you a question, dude. (laughs) Oh, Anyways... (laughs) Kenny Pickett has um, small hands. All right, we get it. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't care. I don't think it's big. Like a lot of people are making big a big deal out of it. Um, I mean, he's made it this far with the, with those hands. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with those hands. What a weird way of phrasing something. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he. Yeah. <laughs> These hands. I don't even know um, what to say to that. Jazz, jazz fingers. <laughs> You're on um, a roll today, bud. Yeah, uh, he, he's made it this far. He's like, why now are suddenly his hands going to become an issue? I mean, everyone was talking last year about Joe Burrow and his uh, nine-inch hands and how that's going to be an issue, and the the balls are bigger. Um, <laughs> he'll figure it out. He's got his. He's he's already is used to throwing the ball with, with gloves on so it's not like he's gonna have to make an adjustment he's like okay well the balls are bigger and my hands are really little yeah so i'm gonna put on a glove and have to throw the ball like no like he's already got the mechanism figured out so i don't know again um everyone trying to make a big deal out of a small hand yeah um mountains and... out of uh mole hills <laughs> mole hands mole hands <laughs> um you you'd be interested to know that daniel jeremiah did say that the 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 small hands did not concern him and uh kenny pickett reminded him of a more athletic matt hasselbeck so i mean if hey my guy there you go if you're a team i mean we know he's a first round pick um essentially because the the quarterback class this year just doesn't scream excellent so he he's the best of the worst if you want to call it that 
Um, I mean, if you're a team picking in the the teens or the twenties, and someone said you could get a more athletic Matt Hasselbeck with you know a mid first to late first round pick, I think you would be jumping at the chance to to go up there and take a Kenny Pickett. Um, guy that stole the show this weekend, Jordan Davis. Good Lord, that is a massive, massive human being. Uh, six foot six, 341 pounds. Um, oh my, I, I could not believe that he ran a four, seven, eight, a sub four, eight at that big. I, I, I don't, I don't even know how to explain how that happens. That is like, you know, we, Last year, we kind of started the, you know, I challenged you to run faster than Rich or whatever. And you're like, oh, I could do that. And then you started like actually running for time. And you're like, wow, like, you know, getting under five seconds is really damn hard for like for an average athletic guy um, running under five seconds is, is tough. And, and most people cannot run a, a sub five second 40 and I'm like five, I'm five, nine, one eighty five, and, and I was not under five seconds. Yeah. I saw you and Ryan <laughs> trying to debate, like, were we under six? And he's like, we weren't under six seconds. Just so you know, we were under, we were under six. Mm, we, we might have, under to, we might have to get the table. I, I think you were under six. We were under six. I'm, we're not going to be able to prove it this year because your boy's not running this year. Um, but we were we were under six for sure, um, but not not anywhere close to five. Right. Like, like I, I just wish like, we weren't even close to five seconds, let alone under five seconds. Yeah. For for those people who like, obviously, when you watch the combine and and the you know, Daniel Jeremiah, Rich Eisen are, are freaking out when they see those numbers and everybody's talking about it. So, you know, it's a big deal, but I I would challenge people who don't understand how fast that is to just go out to like a local field, go out to a local turf, measure out your 40 yards. Um, and even with hand time, like here, here's the other thing. He ran that laser timed, um, and I talked to a few buddies who uh, played on our local Okanagan Sun team about, you know, hand time versus laser time. And they're like, oh, and I mean, uh, when we had uh, uh, Andrew on Andrew. almost a year ago now, he w- he told us about, you know, laser time versus hand time. Um, I-, I can't remember how much he said, but I think he said there's like, you know, error of up to like half a second almost depending like how fast your finger goes like up and down. So, um, go out there and actually see how, how far and how fast you have to get there. And then imagine a six foot six, 341 pound dude blowing by you. Uh, and it's, it's a really humbling, uh, exercise if you will. Now, the question I put on Twitter was what's more impressive from him. Like everybody was talking about his, his 40 yard dash at Uh, 4.78 seconds, he broad jumped 10 foot three inches, 10 feet for that dude to hurt. Like I, that was one I didn't actually see. Um, for me, a little fun fact at, at a school there, we decided for, 
for like a week event kind of thing, we were going to get all the, the students to kind of do their own like little combine drills and stuff like that. And of course we're doing demos on like broad jump and stuff like that. And, uh, I was kind of showing them some, some markers of, of where people were jumping. Um, obviously I did like Byron Jones's world record 12 foot four or whatever it was. And they're like, Oh my gosh, like that's how far a human can jump. I'm like, nope, that's how far one human can jump. So it'll be fun rolling out the tape for them tomorrow and showing them, hey, this guy, who is basically like two of me, uh, jumped this far, like way further than me. Like he is just such a freak, such an absolute yeah. freak. I mean, for, for me to answer your, your question, um, and it's probably because I, I saw it live. I, I was watching the combine when he did it. Um, the 40 is more impressive. Really? Me. Yeah. Interesting. Like, I, I don't, I think the broad it, jump, man, it jumped off the screen, man. Like yeah. watch. I, I, I know you missed it, um, but it jumped off the screen. I was like, Holy crap. Like, yeah. He is moving. Yeah. Like he is explosive. And then to follow it up with the 10-3 broad jump um just kind of like proves the point that he is as explosive, explosive as he showed. Holy is he ever in that 40, right? Like yeah. good luck. He is the next Aaron Donald. Like he is yeah. just just like Maybe that's a, a, a high superlative, but like, yeah, I, I think is, that's too high, but but he's a game, he's gonna be a game changer. For oh, he's sure. a game changer with, with that explosiveness. He is going to be a game changer. Um, I mean, his, his they were saying like with the, the D line guys, like really they're looking at the, the 10 yard split more oh, so yeah. than the 40 yard yeah. time, and his 10 yard split was like. 0.05 different than Aaron Donald or something like that. Like oh, it was really? like, yeah, like it was like an eyelash basically. Like, like it, it, so he's going to be a total, total game wrecker. Um, I, I think in a similar regard to Aaron Donald, maybe not as dominant. Um, what makes Aaron Donald so dominant is that he is on the field for every single snap. Like when, uh, in the SEC championship, when Alabama beat Georgia, uh, they played some up-tempo football against them, and Jordan Davis couldn't get back on the field. Like, he was so gassed that he couldn't be a game-changer, where you could never do that to Aaron Donald. Like, Aaron Donald well, almost gets a little no, bit better. Like, you see pictures of Aaron Donald with his shirt off, and you're like, yeah. how in the hell <laughs> is that guy over 300 pounds? Like, yeah. Does that don't make no damn sense. Like, that, is, that is a big man. That, that's a big, yeah. big like, muscle he's man. The literal definition of the Incredible Hulk. He, he is the Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. He, he should turn green when he's playing. He probably should. Yeah. I mean, I know I turn green when he's playing against the Seahawks, <laughs> but it's green with envy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were Were there any other guys that kind of stood out to you? I know you. I know you watch a little bit of it. I I, I saw you. Tweeting, I was watching so. it. Yeah, I was watching it on and off. Um, Jordan Davis was the one guy that really stood out to me. Um, I mean, trying to watch it while also 
my kids are yelling at me to be like, Dad, I want to watch Full House. <laughs> like, like, sweet. It, it, Thanks, kids. Yeah, I think Full House has become our uh, pre-bedtime show. Oh, yeah. With the, kid, with the kids, which has been a lot That's of fun. That's good. Get them into um, the oldies. Yeah, yeah. It, it's fun to go back. I, I watched um, Encino Man with the kids recently. I don't, I don't oh, know yeah. if you remember that one or not but olivia was super into it which is i mean she's so my kid when it comes to watching movie <laughs> movies carter's like as soon as the food's gone i'm not interested but like <laughs> olivia just sits there and watches the whole thing um no honestly i i didn't watch enough of the combine the the d line is probably what i watched the most of um, I mean, I, I was kind of keeping my eye on uh, Ebiketti, I think his name is. Yeah. Uh, there's a D'Angelo Malone who has been kind of in talks of a potential Seahawks target in the later rounds. Um, he didn't run a 40 this weekend, but he ran all, all the other drills and he's super fluid and uh big muscular fast so he he was fun to watch and kind of keep an eye on um yeah is there kind of i mean watching the um dbs run the 40 times is just ridiculous like <sighs> you watch them running and you're like how is that a four six like that guy is just absolutely moving yeah right now <laughs> like i don't understand these speeds but it just goes to show you what like elite level athlete differences are like if you're sitting on the couch there and you think you can run a sub five uh you most likely have trained track for a long time or you know you're you're active in something like football or hockey where you have to show explosive movement at, at a higher level too like what these guys do is just so beyond ridiculous um I don't know, like, if one person really stood out, um, you know, more than a lot of the other guys. I was obviously keeping my eyes on guys that I've seen mocked to the Ravens, like the David Ajabo, um, Trayvon Walker. Or he, uh, he tested like an absolute freak as well. Um, I, I don't, I think his 40 was like, or five, I think I want to say, and that's a linebacker. He's 270 pounds and he yeah. ran a four or five. Uh, I think his, his vert was like 36 inches or something like that. Um, he was just like, Oh, if, if he fell to the Ravens at 14, I, I would have no problem with them taking him. Like, like I said, there's just, I'm almost at like an overwhelmed stage because there's so many like the I, I would say the the talent doesn't really drop off super quick into the teens where normally like if you don't have a top 10 pick, you're kind of like losing out on those like blue chip players. But I, I think there's a lot of uh, of depth in I started I start looking into like day two guys already where, you know, I, I guys who I, 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 might fall a little bit out of the first round and you're getting, you know, yeah. first round talent in the second. That's, that's the kind of stuff that really starts to excite me. I, I saw a tweet earlier tonight where it's like, if you're going into this draft and you need an edge rusher, if you need one draft two, yeah, because it's so deep at that position this year that 
if you need one draft two, if you need two draft three, like yeah. just like take as many of those guys as you can. And Ojabo, oh, 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 um, he's he's definitely he stood out for sure. Yeah, because like of course coming from Michigan, everyone's talking about Aiden Hutchinson. So everyone's watching Hutchinson and how what's his forty time? What's his this? What's his that? Well, he was slower than his teammate, right? Yeah. Like. So he he was definitely a guy that um, when I was watching the combine, he definitely stood out. He's definitely a guy that I was like, oh, like he's faster than his teammate. Like maybe he, but he's he has less experience playing the game because I, I think when I was watching um, the combine, they were saying he was born in Nigeria, grew up in Scotland, and then moved to the United States when he was like a teenager or something like yeah. that. So it's like he doesn't have as much experience playing football as a guy like Aiden Hutchinson does, but maybe he has more tools, right? Like more or more less tools, but more athleticism or whatever it may be. Right. Yeah. And, uh, earlier on in the week, I was listening to, uh, Daniel, Daniel Jeremiah on move the sticks and they had a really interesting conversation about like when you have two high elite prospects from the same team on the same position, um, especially like on defense where you kind of have to work with each other. You have to start asking yourself, you know, which one is the cause and which one's the effect? Did Ajabo have a big year because there was a lot more attention on Aiden Hutchinson or did Ajabo have a big year because, you know, he's just that freaky good. And did Aiden Hutchinson have an even better year because of David Ajabo? Like, chicken or egg? Which one came first? Um, so that one always interests me. Um, yeah, just a, a lot of high level. I think the if I were to pick one, I, I can't really pick one person, but the one thing that really stood out to me was, I think there was like a record set with offensive linemen where um, I think it was something like 13 of them ran... Uh, the 40 in under five seconds, which is freaky fast for some of those guys who are over 300 pounds, right? Like they're no, uh, you know, uh, Davis, but um, just how good and how athletic these guys are year after year after year. Um, it just shows you if you want to be at that level, you have to start training uh, like those guys do probably by the time you're 10 11 years old like these guys who are who are running like what was it Kalen Barnes ran like a you know Chris Johnson type number 40 he, he's a track star like these guys run track and field all the time they have been specialized trained in in these particular areas so it's just really impressive to me how these you know, kids get bigger, stronger, faster, you know, seemingly year after year. Um, imagine a guy like Jordan Davis running his 40 15 years ago. It would have like, I mean, what little, you know, internet space there was back then, it would have absolutely destroyed it. But yeah, it's just Kim, un, unheard Kim of. Kim Kardashian throw, thought she broke the internet. Jordan Davis would have done it way worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he got a butt like Kim K too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, fun fact. Fun fact. I'm more interested in Jordan Davis than I am Kim K. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Very true. 
Um, all right, we're uh, we're almost out of time. It's my bedtime also. So, uh, got any last words for this week, my friend? Uh, I just want to say, uh, you know, of course, thank you to everyone for tuning in for another episode. I, I know we took about a month off there. Um, just a chance to kind of recharge, refresh, and just take a break from the the hustle and bustle of the football world. There wasn't a lot going on anyway, so it's not like you guys missed out on us two idiots talking about nothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they miss out on all the time. Um, You can, of course, find us over on Twitter at ballhawks underscore pod. Uh, Check me out at phillipschris12 over on Twitter. Steve can be found at ssfisher87. We are, of course, a part of the Dean Blundell Network. And as always, guys, I know you haven't heard it for a while, so you probably miss it. Go Hawks. Peace. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.